When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Black. Black Wall Street Today explores entrepreneurship opportunities for economic development while highlighting business owners, trendsetters, and community leaders. And now, here's your host, Blair Durham. Greetings, good afternoon, and welcome to Black Wall Street Today. I am your host, Blair Durham, and thank you so much for tuning in. I invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Black Wall Street Today and join the conversation between shows each week. Before we get into this week's focus on niche businesses, I want to remind our listeners and online viewers about the critical need for this kind of programming in the media marketplace. Last week during our inaugural show with franchise owner and market leader, Mr. Gilbert Bland, and founder of Italian Twine, Mr. Randy Williams, I enumerated seven reasons why we exist. And I'm going to review those reasons. I think it's fitting, um, at least as we are getting started. The first is, as we all know, the black dollar is extremely significant. Um, it is significant nationwide, it's significant right here in Hampton Roads. Um, but that spending power, that 10 billion in Hampton Roads, that over 1 trillion in the United States has not translated meaningfully into any kind of political or economic power. That's reason number one why we exist. Number two, black business needs its own media platforms in order to get there. We have to tell our own stories, celebrate our own successes, create our own opportunities for public relations and advertising. That is why we're here. Number three, this gives black business owners another tangible resource for professional development. It gets us out of the we don't have anything mindset, which is just not true. We have tons, but because we have not had our own media platforms, we have no idea what we even have. Number five, the strength of the show helps shape a positive perspective about what it means to do business with black business owners and to do business as a black business owner. We develop a pride that's necessary to really execute with excellence. We even have accountability built in. We can communicate with those that govern or those that would govern our operations on a public platform. We create access, hugely important. Last piece, our group matters, our numbers matters. I have to reiterate this, we don't exist because we don't like other groups or because we believe in separation, but our group absolutely matters. Our numbers matter, our progress matters, our business matters. Hashtag that, our numbers matter. So one of the questions that comes up is, where are our Wall Street-sized companies? If you do a quick Google search, you will find maybe five to seven Wall Street-sized black companies. Wall Street, as we know it, was built on the blacks of slave labor, quite literally. And so it's a market that we have historically been excluded from. Even our references to Black Wall Street have more to do with an ideation of a concentration of Black-owned businesses, as was not only custom in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but in most of the major cities in America, and even the smaller cities like Portsmouth, Virginia, and Durham, North Carolina. We don't even know what it would look like to have media space that influences the day-to-day -day operations of big Black business, like that of mainstream Wall Street in our community. Until now, that is the power of media. That's why a politician can allude to a thing, make a public reference, and it literally have the potential to change the market dynamics within a few short minutes. Again, that's the power of media, and that's the power of becoming a publicly traded company. 
In fact, that's what Kathy Hughes, who became the owner of Radio One, now Urban One, must have understood back in 1980 when she purchased an underperforming radio station out of Washington, D.C. for a little under $1 million. And in 1999, when that company went public, she became the very first black woman to own a publicly traded company. The company's initial initial public offering was six and a half million shares at $24 per share. 1999, that just happened. Now, Urban One is a sizable media conglomerate with over 50 radio stations across the country, syndicating a wide array of national talent. Obviously, not doing terribly in the television market either with the success and popularity of TV One. Of course, this is not really the traditional narrative for our businesses. And that's our subject matter for today. Most of what we do falls under the made away category. Because we lack capitalization due to the apparent wealth gap, the subsequent credit gap, and ultimately the trust gap, only 4% of the over 2.5 million companies that we own even have one other employee. I mentioned last week that we don't compete in the larger markets. We simply can't. Much of what we create are niche businesses. And those businesses do experience a modicum of financial success, even if they never reach the heights of a Kathy Hughes, an Urban One. Hashtag our numbers matter. With that, I have the pleasure of introducing my first guest today to help us deepen the conversation about niche businesses. She is a consummate brand strategist and designer. She is the owner of Brand Smash Studio and co-creator of the Boss Life Society. For the past 10 years, she's operated a niche business that helps other niche businesses, specifically creative entrepreneurs, um, confidently sell what they do by building and designing brands that people fall in love with. With a strong belief in helping others to dream big, she also works with women of color to create authentic, profitable businesses that they can pursue full time. She frequently speaks at many industry events and also consults with premier studios and large businesses along the East Coast on topics of brand strategy and storytelling. Moreover, Diana is an avid volunteer in the, in the community and sits on the boards of two Hampton Roads-based nonprofits. I am super excited to introduce Miss Diana Lindsay Lewis. Welcome to the show, Diana. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. We are delighted to have you. You are, in fact, one of my favorite leading ladies. I just need you to share kind of how you got into entrepreneurship and why you developed your brand in the way that you've done. Wow. Uh, so I got into entrepreneurship, I would say, out of necessity. So right out of college, I actually graduated with a degree in interior architecture. Okay. And I came back to Hampton Roads and there really were no... Um, opportunities here. I even tried volunteering at um, architecture firms and no one was kind of biting. So I had a new family and I just really needed to create my own thing, you know, to, to survive basically. So that's really how I happened into entrepreneurship. Yeah, so not really on purpose, Not right? on purpose. Not on purpose, more out of necessity. Okay, so talk a little bit about about Brand Smash. How did it become the niche business that it is? I think after years of branding and marketing and working specifically with creatives, I realized that I really spoke their language and understood them in ways that other people didn't. So Brand Smash is more or less 
my baby, where I get to dream and just work with the people that fuel my soul and do the work that makes me happy. So I'm able to work with creatives to help them build the businesses that they like in full time. And I think that with creatives, we also get this when you think creative, you think unorganized. You, there are all these stigmas that come with creatives, um, and that's just not true. So, and, and a lot of people also think that there's only there's a cap on how much money you can make as well when you're dealing in creative businesses. And I'm really just here to break all of those stigmas and show that that's not true as well. So give us just, if you would, a, a profile of kind of your ideal clients. So when you say creatives, maybe just explicate that a little for, for our listeners. Okay, so creatives, I think that's a really broad, it's a pretty broad subject. Sure. But um, as far as who I like to work with, that could be anyone from creative consultants and coaches. Um, and now as that arena is expanding, that could be life coaches, that could be money coaches. I mean, there's every type of coach that you can create now for life. Um, that could be artists and it could be musicians, yogis, fitness instructors, food trucks, like it just kind of goes on. But really it's, um, it's more or less someone who's interested in taking more of a creative approach to their business as opposed to just kind of going with what is normal or Okay. That was a pretty wide range of, of business types. So what are some of the business types that you wouldn't work with? Just to kind of... So, okay. So Brand Smash in particular, because okay. that's outside of um, what I do is with, as a brand strategist, I can work with all types of businesses. Okay. But Brand Smash in particular probably isn't ideal for, let's say, um, lawyers. Okay. Bankers. Okay. I would say people who have the necessity to... It would be like standard corporate America where it has to be buttoned up suit and tie and there's no flexibility for creativity or personal style. Sure. It's probably not the best fit for Brand Smash. Okay. Okay. So after having worked with Brand Smash, what is it that a creative would walk away with? Oh, so after working with me, a creative one walks away with the ability to manage his or her own brand. Um, I work in such a way that I don't anticipate that you will need me forever. Okay. So if I've done my job right, then you walk away knowing how to continue to build your own brand, for one. But two, you should also walk away with the ability to, if, you, if you're managing your brand part-time while working a full-time job, you should pretty much expect that you should be able to walk into your business full-time. Yeah. Pretty shortly after working with me, and that's typically what happens, and that's typically the goal. That's significant because the numbers don't necessarily demonstrate that most of us that own businesses are working the businesses full time. Right. So if you're saying that, you know, upon upon kind of really working with Brand Smash, that's that's huge. I think that most uh, people, once they find me, are already maybe on the cusp of wanting to leave a full time job and either just don't believe they can. They may lack the confidence, but once you start to get into building your brand, that confidence just comes naturally. And I think it's just a natural progression to just step into their jobs full-time or their businesses full-time, rather. Yep. You actually alluded to one of the questions that I had, which is the fact that a lot of our business kind of emerges from that that heart place. We really want to get in and help other people. Right. You know, we, we've identified a need and it's it has a lot to do with 
how we can mm-hmm. how we can assist someone else. Right. Um, and then sometimes we may not even necessarily be in a position to prioritize profit at that point. You know, we're really focused on just how we can how we can help. What what portion of what you do would you say kind of emanates from that that feel good space? Everything that I do emanates from a feel-good space. Um, so I usually start with discovery. If it doesn't feel good, then I don't even take the client. Wow. Right. I believe that if you're really operating from a place of passion and love, then the money will follow. It's not necessarily something you need to chase. It just it happens when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're in the right place. Money is just something that is going to come along with it, and I, I truly believe that. Couldn't agree with you more. And so. Does that kind of feel good first modality? You wouldn't say it impacts your ability to to provide a, a service then? No, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, it um, it's more of an advantage for my ability to provide a service. Sure. Um, it's never okay to work with someone who's not a good fit because it ends up being a nightmare client. And a nightmare client will make you want to quit your business and you can't afford to do that. You have to be in a place where you want to go to work every day and you want to provide for your family. So you always want to work with people who are a good fit because then they make you love what you do. And that is the fuel that keeps you doing it every day. I love it. I think true words haven't been spoken. So I guess the next question kind of becomes about scalability, right? Because when I'm hearing you, it feels like everything is sort of like Deanna's right there in the middle of it. Like the business ne- couldn't necessarily sustain itself. No. Is that, is well, that? Well, so that just depends on how you want to build your business. Now, me personally, I am starting to venture more into passive income. Okay. So setting up passive income streams is definitely a way that someone would scale a niche business. Obviously, you can create a team. There are lots of ways to do that. Um, But I also think that that just is whether or not you want to be someone who leads a team. Right. Sometimes if freedom is what you're looking for in your business, a team isn't always, that doesn't always grant you the freedom you think that you have. Sure. I think that where it is right now is passive income. I, I can't, really can't say that enough. So just figuring out a model to generate passive income, authorpreneurship, um, things of that nature is a way, another way of scaling your business as well. Um, and I think that when it comes to niche businesses in particular, a lot of people are afraid to create a niche business because you feel like there's not a large enough market or that in some way the, the clientele will run out. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. That couldn't be further from the truth when you're dealing with niche businesses. Yeah. Um, and an example I always like to use is, um, say you were looking for makeup. Mm-hmm. And you're in a shopping center and there's a Walmart and there's a Sephora. Okay. Everyone who's looking for makeup is going into Sephora. Sure. Because Walmart... They, they have what makeup, but they have everything. But when you're looking for something in particular, you want to go to the people that you feel specialize in that. And you will always catch those people every single time. But trying to specialize in everything, you're guaranteed to always lose some of those people every single time. Sure. One thing that came to mind as you were saying that is sort of the way in which the digital environment, right, social media in particular, probably gives you a platform where you can really influence your market. Absolutely. In a way that you probably couldn't if you were having to compete with. The thing about 
choosing to be a niche business is that you eliminate competition. You create a lane for yourself that no one else is even trying to compete in. And sure. even if they were, you're able to um, differentiate what you do in such a way that people just don't see the, the competition there. And as far as digital, the digital space, if you concentrate on who your clients are and what they really want, then you do open up an opportunity for you to help them in ways that other people don't understand and other people can't, which then just establishes you as an expert in your field. And again, that's kind of how niche businesses work. And that's the advantage of niche businesses. Got it. So scaling for you doesn't necessarily look like leading a team. It's more so about how you can create additional streams with the kind of content that you have already created. Right. Now, I do have a small team, but I, okay. I definitely started my studio with the intention to always be purposely small. Okay. Um, just because I like a more intimate um, environment like that, and I really need the freedom to, to go as I please. Um, so I don't want to say that scaling doesn't look like creating or building a team with niche businesses because it's totally doable. Okay. Um, just not personally my preference. So. Yeah. I love it. I'm excited. I'm getting hands. I, I think we're, we're getting close to a break. I do want to ask, what advice would you have for someone that has identified that lane? They feel like they've got a space where they would fit with regard to their passion, their skill set, and they're not quite sure what it would look like to take that leap. Aside from coming to Brand Smash, yes, I know that's number definitely one. Definitely brand. <laughs> um, no, honestly, if you if you have a lane that you've identified and you know who your market is, the best advice I can give is to hit the ground running. Sure. And I don't necessarily mean quit your job and jump right into it. Okay. I know that's the message that is out here a lot. And sometimes it's good to take that leap. But more oftentimes than not, it's better to maybe maintain a side job until you're able to step into it. But I think that the thing that kills businesses and dreams faster than anything on the planet is scarcity mindset. Allowing yourself to believe that there's not enough money, there are not enough clients, and that no one cares about what you're doing. You care about what you're doing, and that's all that matters. So my advice is to hit the ground running and block out all of that negativity and identify when you're actually having a scarcity mindset and switch over into an abundance mindset. Awesome. Is that the kind of consulting you provide as well? Do you? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So confidence and you can do it comes, al comes along with branding as well. Awesome. I love it. Deanna, how is it that people are able to reach you? Um, you can reach me at www.brandsmashstudio.com. Um, also on Instagram and Facebook. Fantastic. Well, with that, we are going to take a break. We'll come back and get a couple of closing words from you. Super excited to have you in. Absolutely. The other thing we'll do on the other side of the break is we'll add this to the list. So make sure you stay tuned. Talk soon. Excellence is being able to perform at a high level for a long period of time. The next level success is just a step away. Stay tuned. Black Wall Street Today will be right back after a word from our underwriting sponsors. 
Welcome back. We are here with Deanna Lindsay Lewis of Brand Smash Studio. Uh, just with some closing thoughts, over the break we were talking about how it is that creating a niche business gives you your own lane. It kind of makes you a subject matter expert in a thing, lends itself very, very nicely to multiple income streams such as... Um, again, I, maybe I'll uh, elaborate more on other passive income streams. Sure. So. In the digital space these days, you don't need anyone to give you an opportunity. Podcast, um, courses, ebooks, basically being an expert in your lane means that you have knowledge that you can teach other people. So any any um, platform that will just allow you to share your knowledge base is a way to scale your business and create more passive income streams. Um, another way is to, if you have a process, for how you like to do your business, you can trademark that process and then you wow. can license it um, and basically just kind of hang out and let other people do it and allow the income to roll in that way from it as well. Huge opportunity with niche businesses. Absolutely. I love it. Deanna, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed our pleasure. time. I hope you'll come back and chat with us more in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, and with that, we've actually reached what is already one of my favorite show segments. I know you're thinking, how are you going to have a favorite and you're only one and a half shows in? Well, I'm glad you asked. Hashtag add this to the list. Hashtag move the needle. Let's highlight Black-owned businesses that you absolutely need to support. All right, I got a couple from our, our online viewers that I'm going to highlight first before I highlight those that, um, that I have here. Mango Mango Bistro in Hampton, Virginia. Fantastic restaurant. If you've never had their beignets, you have to stop by for uh, breakfast so that you can grab some of those. Absolutely delicious. Montego Island Grill coming in as well. Delicious restaurant there in Virginia Beach. Also looks like J&K Style Grill. Uh, not sure what city J&K are in. I thought they were in Virginia Beach. Not sure. But I've got a couple here as well that you can tap into no matter where you are, where you're listening from. True Laundry Detergent. I saw this circulating on social media probably two years ago. Available on Amazon. True Laundry Detergent. Black-owned company. Um, the next one I've listed, Positive Vibes. Bookstore is a staple in the community from which we broadcast. I urge you, if you're watching online and if you're traveling into the Hampton Roads area, visit Positive Vibes Bookstore. The owner there carries arguably the largest selection of books, movies, art, clothing, and resources pertinent to our community and culture and has had some serious longevity as well. I've been there upwards of 21, 22 years, I'm thinking. Um, last one, and I'll stop here because I got some flack from production about giving away the farm in our first show, but I'm so passionate about supporting our businesses. Um, you know how every now and again we have to take those pesky driver improvement courses after we've gotten another speeding ticket or some moving violation? Check out Limitless Training Opportunities and Latre Myrick for that need. So not only does she offer driver improvement, um, she also offers first aid and CPR certification courses as well. All right, hashtag add this to the list. As you're finding out about new companies, new ideas, please use the hashtag on social media, hashtag Black Wall Street today, hashtag add this to the list, and I will most certainly feature it here. 
Hey, I am so excited about my second guest for today. Calling into the station, I recently had the opportunity to learn about her incredible journey as uh, a practitioner, as an entrepreneur, and really honing in on her purpose. She is the owner of Taylor Counseling and Consulting. She is the mastermind behind the popular podcast, Minding My Black Business. She has elected to focus solely on the black community in general and black entrepreneurs in particular. Let's please welcome niche business owner, Dr. Janae Taylor. Dr. Taylor, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, Blair, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. I am delighted to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, absolutely. Please, please tell our our listeners the story of why and how you developed your specialization um, in, in working with Black entrepreneurs. Oh, how much time do I have? <laughs> hey, this is this is organic. Go for it. Take all the time that you need. So, um, the origin of Minding My Black Business, um, that story is, is both personal and professional. So, I, in addition to working exclusively with the black community as it relates to mental health issues, um, in addition to being focused on the emotional well-being of black entrepreneurs, I also have a private practice here in Virginia Beach um, where I do some individual therapy, some couples, some family. Um, and so what was happening as I was building up my private practice, um, particularly being really focused on um, the health, the mental health of our community, is that um, it was something very different from other private practices in the area. And so when it came to issues like marketing or how do I make connections or how do I reach my audience, what sorts of things make sense to do, um, I was having to sort of figure that out and navigate that and create the blueprint, really. Um, and so that part was a little isolating as a business owner. Um, am I doing this right? Am I headed in the right direction? A lot of trial and error. And so I would talk to some of my friends, some of my peers who also are entrepreneurs, um, but there still was that piece around what do you do when you are really, really focusing on a particular um, community? How does that look different if you're, you know, versus casting your net maybe a little wider? So for me, the, the personal and maybe even selfish part was I felt like I wasn't the only entrepreneur who might be struggling with community. Like, where can I find other people who are also focused on my people uh, so that we can sort of barter or whatever? So that's, that's one the part. niche, okay? Yes. So that's the niche. And then the other part was connected to, you know, that part is building a business in general is really stressful. It is so stressful. Um, it's overwhelming. It's unpredictable. Um, at times it is, you know, you love it. Then, you know, 30 minutes later, it could be driving you up the wall. So then I thought about, well, I wonder what's happening in terms of the emotional well-being of entrepreneurs. Um, so not just those who are looking for community, but are there even spaces for black entrepreneurs to have those kinds of stories and to feel like that's being validated? Or if they even need to seek therapy, are there therapists out there doing that work? And so it was really a combination of the, of the things that I'm so much interested in, as well as my own personal needs, really, um, that landed us to mind in my black business. I've got to ask, 
Yes. Dr. Taylor. Yes. Did you or have you have you yet been able to find a mentor in the space that you were working in? Oh, that's such a great question. So, um, I have found mentors in, I, I don't think that there's just one person. Okay. So that's okay. the first thing. Um, because when it comes to my mental health training, there's, there's I have a few mentors um, that I could call up or go stop by the house or whatever I needed to do. When it comes to business building, so that's probably my newest thing. Um, I There are some people that I definitely look up to and interact with, um, and I haven't had that formal conversation around, will you be my mentor? Um, but there are definitely some people that I aspire to and, you know, are very much paying attention to. So that's something that's in, in progress, in progress. But, um, but yeah, so given the different areas, there's definitely one part where those people are solid and then the business of me now, I'm still working on that. Okay, awesome. And I love how just kind of watching you unfold, right? So you, you started with the, the practice. Now you've developed this online community. You've got the <laughs> podcast going. You're hosting yeah. a mastermind group. So it yeah. seems like you kind of follow the model that we just spoke about with our previous guest of finding that niche. And then, you know, from there, kind of multiple streams of opportunity or multiple streams of income are built right into you now being the expert in this space. You know, there were so many golden gems that she was dropping. (laughs) Wasn't she dropping them? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I I was like, come on, yes, ma'am. So, um, yeah, I think that is how you really sort of dig your heels in and really truly get to enjoy um, the passion that you have about the the service that you provide provided to the community so um i'm trying i'm trying to do that i'm trying to figure out all ways that people can access this information these resources one thing might work better for another um so i'm doing you know the best i can to to be like hey we're here we got your back kind of stuff and what would you say the response has been to um to your to your niche oh my goodness people have been so warm and so kind and so giving um uh, and supportive, even if that means just a response to a post or a like or a retweet. Um, you know, people have called up or sent me a text message. People have attended an event because we also had our first community event this past summer. Um, and so I have just been, uh, there have been dev- definitely several jaw drop moments. So I'm like, whoa, look at this, look at this. Um, so the community has been nothing but supportive, which makes me want to even, you know, buckle down and and get this thing out there. Yes, such a sorely needed um, <laughs> space that you are filling. We, we're glad to have you. For sure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So what what's on the horizon in the way of content content creation for Dr. Janae's Oh my goodness, Blair. So (laughs) (laughs) So um, you know, this fall I am really focusing on me. So this is another important key thing for entrepreneurs, particularly as black entrepreneurs, is I'm really dedicating the fall to um mind my black business and so (laughs) what I mean by that is to sort of nurture my own personal and professional 
um, me. So I'll be doing some writing. Um, I also will be, you know, doing some retreat stuff where I can just sort of block out all the extra stuff and, and get some projects off the ground. Um, there are several books that I want to read. Um, so I'm really going to hunker down between now and the end of the year to get some more products out. Because in the next year, what I want to do is do the mastermind again. It's ongoing right now. We're almost done, which is crazy. We have two more weeks left, and it has been such a fulfilling experience for me. Um, and I think the participants are enjoying themselves as well. So I definitely want to do that again coming up in 2019. Ideally, if I, you know, if time and budget were not a factor, we would be we would be ushering in a retreat of in the summertime. Um, I'm gonna put that energy out there. You know, whoever has pockets that overflow, you know, if you want to, you know. So uh, <laughs> we could definitely benefit from a retreat, right? Right, because I think the idea yeah. of just having everybody in one room um, under one roof, just sort of sharing our stories, talking about ways we can get over our emotional hurdles. Um, ways we can collaborate with each other and support just as so much for the spirit and for the pocket. So um, I'm trying to do that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of writing, um, a lot of uh, focusing, a lot of making sure I'm staying on the track that I want to be on um, so that we can be just as productive um, in 2019. Oh, and more so podcasts, I suppose. More Actually. podcasts. Okay, so here's a question yeah. I have for you. I can yeah. imagine that given the breadth of entrepreneurs that you you know are in conversation with on a regular basis there are probably still some common themes some common um sort of areas for exploration or even some common um maybe best self-care practices that you share with them if you had to give us five right now right here on the spot Mm-hmm. Okay. What what would you say are some of the things that you routinely um, advise Black entrepreneurs um, to do or to become in their process of of uh, you know being entrepreneurs? Oh my goodness, that's such a rich question. Um, so thank you for asking that. The first thing I would say is community. We all need it. Um, no okay. one is above that. Um, um, or no one should suffer in silence um, because that, it can sort of feel that way if you're, you know, carrying the burden of business building alone. So make sure that you find your community and that can be both, you know, in person as well as digital, maybe even a combination of those two. Um, so, you know, here in Hampton Roads, we have the benefit of having the Black Chamber of Commerce. That's such a great resource um, where people can find all other entrepreneurs um, you know, we also have a digital space in terms of a Facebook group as well as our social media platforms. So community would be the first thing that I would suggest for people. Community. Um, it does. Okay. Yeah. And I'm reiterating for the benefit of our of our Facebook viewers who can't hear you at yeah. the moment. So the number one thing is find a community. Okay. Yes. <laughs> number one thing is find a community. Don't right. do this by yourself. Don't even try it. So the second thing that I would um, that I would recommend is that you that you get some sleep, okay? Because the amount of times that I hear entrepreneurs, uh, you know, sacrificing that sleep, you know, operating on three to five hours, when really you should be anywhere between eight to ten, um, wow, it, eight it's to incredible, 10. right? 
That's mm. just like an incredible number, right? Yes, it so, does. So I'm going to meet you somewhere in the middle. Let's say we just aim for six to eight, right? Let's just, let's just get the bare minimum of sleep, just six to eight. And six even for some people, that can feel like a stress. Okay. Um, but when you don't have sleep or when you are sleep deprived, it just sort of impacts you in so many ways in terms of your memory, your focus, your ability to attend to issues, your mood, your immune system. And so imagine trying to build a business with all these things kind of going against you. So sleep is the second one. I like uh, that one because you're saying that there's some things that we may not even notice are going awry. Absolutely. When we are sleep deprived and you're defining Absolutely. sleep deprivation as anything under six hours, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything under Absolutely. six hours. Absolutely. Anything under six hours is sleep deprivation. I got it. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm making a get note. That sleep. Trust me, I'm get writing that it down. Sleep. Somebody needs to hear that. Get that sleep. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I don't mean get two naps and then that counts as six hours. That's not what I mean. I mean a whole <laughs> uninterrupted wow. six tough. hours of sleep. Right. <laughs> Uninterrupted. You need to a real wrench in there now. Okay. Yeah. 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 Had to make that. Had to make that clear. Okay. So the third piece is you will experience some level of stress and being overwhelmed. And so I think the reason why I'm saying it in that way is because I think sometimes people struggle when they hit that wall and then hit themselves with the shoulds. This should not be happening. You know, the down parts are really, really, can be really hard for folks. So you will experience some level of anxiety. And so anxiety for me, or entrepreneurial anxiety, is kind of made up of three things. So it is uh, fear. Is that trademark, Dr. Taylor? Entrepreneurial anxiety? I, it's not, but you know, okay, y'all talked about that in the first segment, but I'm gonna write that down. Uh-huh. Trademarking your process, right? <laughs> So the so inevitability of anxiety, mm-hmm. kind of understanding that a piece of it is normal. Yes. Okay. Yes. And right. maybe even right. would you say defining normal, maybe having a baseline, kind of understanding, and then you know when things go above or beyond that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I got it. Yeah. No, I think that's, and that kind of lends myself to the to the next. Um, mm-hmm point, which is kind of connected also to point number one, is you need to have, so community is important, but I'm going to break that down even further. You need to have a set of entrepreneurial friends um, or support network, as well as people who did, who knew you before the business began. And so they can sort of help you with that baseline. And because the entrepreneurial friends might not know, they might see you operating in this you know, extreme capacity and think that that is your baseline. Wow. And I realize that you're only sleeping 
three hours a night or that you don't take lunch or that you don't go outside or that you haven't seen the sun since the weekend. Um, so they might think that's your baseline, but having those folks that are not connected to your business, for other, for some folks that might be family, the people okay. in your house. Um, so be like, you know what? I, I think it's time. <laughs> I think it's time to go stretch our legs. And, you know, they can sort of pull you out of yourself. So have those folks. Okay. So we need entrepreneurial friends, and then we also need friends that knew us before we were entrepreneurs that mm-hmm. might help mm-hmm. to, okay, remind us of the balance that's necessary in our Right, particularly if you're life. falling outside of your your baseline. So okay. if you're, you know, if they haven't seen you in a while, they haven't heard from you in a while, or, um, you know, sometimes family and friends can just sort of tell that something is off. So even that, like, you know, how are you doing, can be enough to... To get you started in doing that introspection work, so that would be that would be that. Okay. Now, so, so the fourth the fourth tip is, you know, this is I, I think this is number five. And may I make a, a request for number five? Yep, yeah, we had community yeah. sleep. Uh, understanding that a level of anxiety and stress is normal. Four was yeah. having friends that that knew you before. My my request for number five is because these all sound like things that pertain to all entrepreneurs. Right. Could you give us a tip that pertains specifically to entrepreneurs in our community that's in line with sort of the niche that you have created? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, actually, <laughs> so all these things that I've said before are important for all entrepreneurs, yes. um, but, but they are definitely more important for us in a lot of like nuanced ways and so let me explain what I mean by that okay. is that so oftentimes we find that black entrepreneurs don't have as much access to capital mm. so we're doing all these things whether that means robbing Peter to pay Paul um, or you know working sort of extra late at the 9 to 5 so that I can do my, my side job so I'm saying all these things sort of impact sleep impact the ability to connect with others um, impact your mood because we're finding ourselves in this sort of systemic way that we're sort of being left out or there's, there's a gap um, between us and where other entrepreneurs who are in the majority culture might not might not sort of find those those hurdles. Um, so community is also something that's core to our culture. Um, so whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a teacher, a physician, whatever. So um, in our community, being able to be interdependent and we are sort of, you know, thinking about the larger picture constantly. Um, that's also important why community is important. So all these things are also connected to, um, as a black entrepreneur, this is why I need you to do those things. Um, I also think it's important to the, the fifth one, and this is connected to, to, you know, your request, is that you have uh, boundaries. And so while that might seem like that's something important for all entrepreneurs, and it is, (laughs) oftentimes black entrepreneurs find themselves being one of few in rooms that maybe we weren't in 5, 10, 20, 50 years ago. And so in that way, the black entrepreneur can find themselves doing a few things. So like they have to represent all of us or maybe being more amenable than they want to be um, or having to, you know, take some extra steps to um, either assuage or 
smooth out maybe some of the prickliness they're feeling from other people who are uncertain about, you know, what we have to offer. So in a lot of ways, you have to take care in all of the ways you have to take care of yourself. So being able to draw those boundaries. So if you're trying to build your business along with having to prove yourself as a human being and as an entrepreneur, when you get home, you're completely exhausted, which is why all those other four things are really important. <laughs> yeah. So being able to create some boundaries because there are some ways in which you will be tried, <laughs> particularly as a black entrepreneur, is so very important because um, that's going to help sustain you. That's going to help um that's going to help you do all these other things that are in that in that list as well. So having a solid set of boundaries is important to all of our Black entrepreneurs. Dr. Taylor, listeners, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to finish up here. And then I'm also going to talk about a legacy project whereby a business owner can win a few thousand dollars before the end of the year. We'll be right back. The biggest financial asset that you have going for you by miles is the value of your own earning power over the years. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. More important business insights are on the way. Stay locked in. Black Wall Street Today will be right back after these messages. And we're back. We're going to finish up with Dr. Taylor. How are you, Dr. Taylor? You still there? I sure am. I am here. Great. Listen, I have one final question for you as we wrap up. We literally have like 30 seconds. I noticed that when we talked about community, Mm -hmm. right, you said that the online community is a thing. Is it really a thing? Is what we do in the digital space, um, does it serve a protective factor in terms of being a black entrepreneur? Or do we really need, you know, face to face? What would you say? Oh my goodness. See, that feels like two questions, but you said I have 30 seconds. I know, it's not really a closing question. I'm cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, though. But that's fine. So absolutely, I think there is room in our lives for digital connection. Um, So we might be in spaces where geographically there just aren't many other black faces around. Mm -hmm. And so, but if you can, you know, do things like join a mastermind, join a Facebook group, join a a whatever, whatever sort of uh, experience that you can have digitally, then that sort of uh, closes the gap a little bit for you in terms of that isolation that you might be experiencing as an entrepreneur. Now, nothing beats face-to-face time with people that you care about or care about you or are concerned about you and your interests. Nothing trumps that for sure. But I do think that there are some benefits um, to having those digital communities. Um, And so I think if you can find them um, that match your needs, then go for it. Dr. Taylor, I have loved having you on here. Cannot wait to have you on again. The people can find you at at mindingmyblackbusiness.com. That's it. I surely will be there. Absolutely. Great. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks, Blair. Thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure hosting Black Wall Street today. I am Blair Durham. Join us online, Facebook and Instagram at Black Wall Street Today. Talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Black Wall Street Today. Continue the conversation via our Facebook page at Black Wall Street Today and request a feature by visiting our website at www.blackwallstreet.today.